and go right from Jonah into Nahum because they both connect to the city of Nineveh. Uh, Jonah was a prophet of God, right, sent to warn Nineveh of their destruction because of their evil and wicked ways. And as we've seen, they repented and God relented, uh, much to Jonah's dismay, who wanted to see them wiped out, who wanted to see them destroyed. Well, 150 years later, God used another prophet to declare Nineveh's destruction because sometime between Jonah and Nahum, they returned to their evil, cruel ways. And some places I've read, I read they became even worse than they had been. Um, and the Assyrians were just cruel, evil, wicked uh, people who wanted to conquer nations, including Israel. And um, they rejected God's mercy after the generation that had repented uh, hearing um, Jonah. So there was a day of judgment coming that we're going to see in the book of um, Nahum. So two parts of our message this morning pretty much focus on Jonah and then on Jesus. So first, as we look at Jonah, with this current lesson, chapter 4 of the book of Jonah, we complete our study on the book of Jonah. Um, I can't believe that, I mean, it was four short, well, four chapters, and here we are at the end of it. Um, and we saw Jonah running from God, but he didn't get very far, did he? And he ended up going to Nineveh. God used a storm, the sea, a whale, all to get Jonah to where he wanted uh, him to be and to obey. And we've seen unbelieving uh, sailors as well as all of the city of Nineveh get saved. Well, you would think then Jonah would be rejoicing. <laughs> Look at all these salvations, all these thousands of people that got saved through Jonah. You'd think that he would just be so ecstatic that God used him. What a privilege that God used him and all these people got saved, right? Uh, but was he happy? Was he rejoicing? Was he celebrating? Was he helping the people of Nineveh grow? Was he starting a new church, a new temple? Was he thanking the Lord for the privilege of being used by God? Was he praising God for God's mercy and, and his forgiveness, his long-suffering and his compassion of being used again by God? And God's love for even the worst of sinners, not only for Jonah, but for the worst of his enemies. No, of course he wasn't. What's wrong with Jonah? We don't know. <laughs> Maybe some of us will have some questions when we get to heaven, and if we don't already know the answer, we're going to find Jonah and say, Jonah, what's up with you? But go to chapter 4. Let's go through chapter 4 as we consider Jonah. <laughs> um, and I'm just going to read through the verses and then make a few few uh, comments. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. This is how Jonah felt. And he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord. And you notice the Lord is in all capitals. So he's praying to Jehovah God, to the great I am, to the creator. And he says, ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? <clears throat> Excuse me. Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Now, can you believe it? One of the greatest revivals, salvation, 
in history. He didn't even tell them how to get saved. He just said, you're going to be destroyed, and he wants to die. Have you ever led anyone to the Lord and then wanted to die afterward? Maybe to be ready to go home and be with the Lord. I'm I'm ready if he comes today, but it's not because I'm angry that somebody got saved. Okay, so who knows? Some point out that maybe Jonah was embarrassed because he had gone and he told them in 40 days, you're going to be gone. You're going to be wiped out. And that didn't happen. So maybe he thought, oh, well, here I'm a prophet of God. God, I told them what you told me to say, and now it's not coming true. So maybe he was embarrassed. Maybe his pride was injured, as well as the anger that he felt towards these people, because you got to remember, the Assyrians had tortured, had captured, even um, totally conquered the northern kingdom of Israel, and then Judah, the southern kingdom, they had God had intervened, and so they didn't completely capture them, but they were forcing them to pay taxes, to pay tribute. And so maybe he just saw the, the horrible destruction that they had done, and they just, he just thought that's what they deserved. Um, and they probably did deserve it, but do we get what we deserve from God? No, and aren't we grateful that we don't? Okay, so then the Lord, verse 4, says, well, is it right for you to be angry? Do you have a right to be upset about all these people getting saved? Well, this is what Jonah did. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Well, Jonah went out. He pouted. He's like a little kid who went out of the city, pouted. And he was still hoping something was going to happen to the city because he was watching. He kept his eyes on the city. Didn't want to be in the city. Didn't want to be around him. But he was watching and hoping something maybe would, maybe that their their, uh, repentance wasn't genuine. You know, you see people come forward at an altar call. And you know, probably half of them, it's an emotional thing, it's not, or a head thing, you know, it's not really a heartfelt thing. And some people that get saved there are great, others just go through the motions and they don't change at all. They don't really enter into a relationship with the Lord. So maybe that's what he was hoping, that they would, you know, quickly go back to their evil ways. And here God did something nice for Jonah, even while Jonah was angry at God, was out pouting. Um, God still helped him with this shade. He had covered, even though Jonah, it says he built a shelter, it sounds like this, this extra plant or whatever was coming up was adding shade. If it was a gourd, maybe some of your translations say gourd, that it had a lot of, or a vine, that it just added additional um, shelter and shade. But Jonah was angry. <clears throat> well, have you ever been angry with God? If you haven't, I know, I'm sure you know people who have, because we don't always understand what God is doing, or maybe we don't like what God is doing. But yet we've got to know God's perfect. Everything he does is perfect. He doesn't make mistakes. So who are we, finite human beings, to get angry with an infinite God whose ways are so far above us? But people get mad at God. They get angry with him. And think of when you were a child or your children or grandchildren, when they don't like something, they can throw a temper tantrum. 
You ever tried to pick up a child who's just so angry at you, and they squirm and they kick, they don't want anything to do with you? Well, that's kind of probably how Jonah was acting a little bit, like an immature child. When a ball goes out into the street and the parents told the child, don't go out, and this child just runs out anyway without looking, the parent's going to kind of scold them, probably take away the ball. Well, that child's not going to like it. He's not going to like what the parent is doing, but did the parent do that out of love and protection of that child? Well, that's what God does. Out of love and protection of his children, he does things, and sometimes we don't understand and we don't like it, and so we get angry. We get angry. But if we really truly know that God is perfect, then we wouldn't ask why. Elizabeth Elliot, a contemporary woman of that lived in our day and age, wrote so many books, such a godly woman. And she would say to people that would say, why, God? Why not? Why not? When God allows some horrible tragedy or some difficult situation, why not? God has his reasons that he allows it. He's with you. He'll get you through it. You can become better rather than bitter, as I know you've heard it said. So back to Jonah chapter 4, because Jonah was angry, obviously. Okay, verse 7. But as morning dawned, the next day God prepared a worm, and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Now again, he's preparing. He prepared the, he prepared the wind on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. I mean, this guy was depressed. He was just pouting. He just wanted out of there. He was miserable. Just take me. Have you ever felt that way too before the Lord? Just, God, get me out of here. I'm miserable. I hate my life. Just let me die. Well, when it's your time, he'll come and get you, okay? But until then, like Paul said, it's better for me to be here than it is to be home with the Lord, even though that would be a much better place. We've got to hang in there until God knows that our time is up and our work is done here. Okay, so uh, God says to Jonah in verse 9, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry even to death. Again, he's, he's upset over this plant that he had nothing to do with, And and this is what God says to him, right, in verse 10. But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock? Now, some of you read this, and unless you know the background or depending on the version you have, the 120,000 persons who can't discern right between the right and hand, that's referring to babies and toddlers, that innocent children that don't know their right from the left. They, They are not part of the evil generation that wiped out and tortured their enemies. And God was saying, look, this was a plant. You didn't cause it to grow. It lived one day. You had nothing to do with it, and you're more upset that it died, then you are over all these innocent little ones and all the cattle, all the livestock that would be wiped out with the destruction of the city had these people not repented. 
And so we don't know what happened here. Where Jonah go? What happened to Jonah? Uh, we we do know God made His point in talking to Jonah, and that's just kind of what happened. That that ends. Um, most believe Jonah is the author of the book of Jonah. We've got to give him credit if he truly is. He didn't cover his rebellion. He didn't cover his nasty, rebellious, you know, uh, anger and and, um, bad attitude. He exposed his own behavior. He didn't try to cover it up and leave it out as he was writing the report of what happened. But other than that, we're really just, you know, not sure um, what happened to him. But obviously, God still saw the people of Nineveh as the enemy, those who were wicked and evil and who thought, and he thought they should have been destroyed. God saw the people of Nineveh as those with eternal souls, as well as those 120,000 innocent little ones that were not part of the evilness that the parents had taken place in, as well as all the animals. Well, when you see an unbeliever at a horrible criminal, maybe one who's raped and tortured, what's your attitude? Is it wipe them out, God, get them, destroy them? Or do you think, God, they need to know you? Well, I, I might say, Lord, they need to know you. And if they're never going to come to know you, wipe them out, you know? But what's our first reaction to somebody that's horrible, right? You know, um, yeah, but, you know, God had compassion. God, God wanted to see them saved. God loves the sinner but hates the sin. We need to hate the sin and love the sinner, um, including we need to hate our own sin. As we studied in the Beatitudes, we need to mourn, grieve over our sin and what it does. Um, part of hating evil, whether it's ours or someone else's, the evil, not the person, but the evil is part of the fear of the Lord. When we learn what the fear of the Lord is, the reverence, the respect of God, being in awe of who our holy God righteous God is, it's also to hate evil the way he hates evil. Okay, so that's pretty much as we see Jonah as we go through this last chapter. Well, to wrap up some final thoughts, we've got to bring Jesus into this. Um, And so number two, the part of the message is on Jesus. Now, earlier in our study, we had Matthew 12, 38 through 41, but I'm not sure how much of it actually got discussed in all the discussion groups, so I'm going to read it to you. Uh, Matthew 12, 38. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, speaking to Jesus, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. What he was basically saying, number one, he verified the story of Jonah and the great whale, and Nineveh by using it to point to his own death and resurrection uh, when he was speaking to the scribes and the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of the day. Um, But here we see one man, Jonah, being sent to reach a great city, and thousands were saved. Well, Jesus, the Son of God, 
was sent to reach the whole world. Those Jesus was trying to reach would be under greater condemnation because they had the Son of God. They were hearing the Son of God speak a message of salvation, and they rejected him. Where those in Nineveh repented hearing just uh, 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 the, the message, which didn't even give an invitation or instruction to be saved, but they repented at hearing Jonah. The way Wearsby put it in his commentary, Jonah is a type of Jesus Christ in his death, <clears throat> excuse me, burial and resurrection. <clears throat> Christ was greater than Jonah in his person. He is the son of God. He was greater than Jonah in his outreach to the whole world, not just one city. He was greater in his sacrifice. Jesus did die to save others and greater in his love for those who did not deserve it. So we should be encouraged by Jonah and God's mercy and loving kindness that we see throughout the book of Jonah. Even God's mercy to Jonah in the midst of Jonah's rebellion and um, bad attitude. And be encouraged because God will use us even when we have a horrible attitude. We are just sinners saved by grace, and God loves us unconditionally, and he will use us because we are all imperfect. Um, we should be encouraged by God's sovereignty and power that we saw throughout, um, and God's persistence in seeking after Jonah and getting Jonah to go to the city where he wanted the, the people of Nineveh to hear um, what he had to say through Jonah. God used the storm, the sea, the whale, the plant, the wind, the sun, the worm. God has all things at his disposal. And when God wants something done, you can fight it, you can resist it, but eventually, guess who's going to win? So you, you can go through the misery of trying to get your own way or just, Lord, I trust you. You know what you're doing. Let me get out of your way. And, you know, I learned this um, Originally, I think the, the first time I really saw God's sovereign hand at work to accomplish what he wanted was um, I was going to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. The church had a plane at the time, and Chuck was going over to Arizona to do some big radio outreach. And the pastor's wives that in, in that whole surrounding area were going to get together. They invited Kay, Chuck's wife, to come and minister. And this gal I was a prayer partner with... Um, for many years to go. And that included me getting to go with them over to Arizona. The Kay and her name was Lynn as well. And Lynn and I were going to get to go share and pray for and be with the pastor's wives while Chuck and the others did what they were going to do. <clears throat> well, Kay called Lynn and said, uh, this company that we have from Hawaii is not going home when we thought he wants to go to Arizona with us. So there's not going to be room on the plane for Lynn. But if God wants her on the plane, he'll, he'll open the way up. So Lynn called and told me that, and I was kind of, I'd been excited and privileged to go. And I thought, okay. And Lynn said, look, if God wants you on that plane, he's going to get you on that plane. Well, the day before they were going to fly over, Kay called Lynn. Lynn called me and said, pack your bag. You're going. God somehow worked and got Tom to go ahead and go home when he was supposed to go home rather than going on to Arizona, so I mean to Hawaii, where he lives. So I was like in awe that God evidently wanted me to go. And he was able to change the circumstances, and I ended up on that plane going. 
Well, and I've shared with you many times about our trips to Russia. The first time I went, I came home, I was ready to go, and my husband was saying, no, you're never going, no, we're never going. And you know the story, after a year, we both went for the next uh, four years, twice a year. So God, in his sovereignty, without my help, of the gift of manipulation that I have, I didn't use it. I, that was, I was just letting God sovereignly work it if he wanted us to go. Okay? And with retreat um, commitments that I had, I was going to do two retreats back to back. And it was a time when Chuck finally released the dates of when he was going to go over to Russia for the first time. And we normally would be going and taking a team over. But we, it was like, oh, we can't go or I can't go. Well, I can cancel the retreats and then get someone else. No, the Lord didn't let me do that. Well, some of you know the story. We didn't go. They were getting ready to leave that next day. My daughter-in-law was due with their their second child in July. This was in June. And the night that we would have been getting ready to go to LAX to board a plane for two weeks to go to Russia, my daughter-in-law had to have emergency C-section Um, a month early, and little baby Ryan only lived four days. God sovereignly kept us here so we could be alongside our son and our granddaughter and our daughter-in-law while little, you know, baby Ryan was born and died and they went through this whole thing. God knows what's best, ladies. We shouldn't fight against him. We should trust him and just know that Lord, your will be done. Even when we moved to from Orange County about, I guess it was about 13, 14 years ago, um, just a few months after we moved in, my mom fell, who was in her early 90s, couldn't live alone anymore. The house that we had lived in for 30 years in Fountain Valley would not have worked as well to accommodate her moving in with us as the one that we had moved into that when we first moved out here. It was a perfect situation for her as she continued to recover. God, again, in his sovereignty, he saw it all. Getting me to living truth 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago, I thought, okay, I'm leaving a ministry I was very involved with at Costa Mesa. It was time to make a church change. The Lord led us to living truth, the old building. And I thought, it's going to be a couple years before I know people and they know me, and maybe the Lord will or won't open a door of women's ministry. Well, within the first two months that we were there, the gal that had been doing the Monday night women's Bible study was dying of cancer. The one on Thursday morning that was leading it was developed West Nile virus, and they didn't know if she was going to live or die. So within that short amount of time, they were asking if I would do the women's ministry, and I've been privileged ever since to be here. God's timing and where and how and when he works and moves us around, just yield, trust him. Like Chuck, uh, Chris was, the songs were just declaring God's sovereignty. He knows and he's able. So trust him, ladies. Nothing's too hard for him. And if it's his will, he's going to accomplish it. If it isn't his will, then don't force it. I love Psalm 8411. Part of it says, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. When you are walking in fellowship with God, and when you're not, if you're running away, he'll send a whale of some sort, but he's not going to withhold it from you if it's a good thing. So 
remember his sovereignty, remember his loving kindness, remember his patience and his mercy, that when we go into the book of Nahum and study the prophesied destruction of that city, because again, God's, God's mercy was coming to an end because after time and time again, they returned to their evil, wicked ways, that there was going to be judgment. And God is just in his judgment, but he's loving, he's merciful, he's compassionate, and he's patient. So as we go into Nahum, just stay with us, stay focused on the Lord. Larissa says, what are you going to do with that? Because a lot of it, um, and we'll just have to go through and share some things that we research and find out because some of those verses, if you have a living Bible or the new living translation, get it out because that will probably help you as we study it because it's, it's really God talking to the city of Nineveh and about the city of Nineveh as well as knowing the southern kingdom, the Jews that had been taken captive or knew that the Assyrians were still a great threat, um, would be encouraged knowing God was going to eventually wipe them out because they just were rejecting and refusing his mercy. So uh, remember what you learned about God through Jonah and uh, keep that in your, in your mind as, as you go through the book of Nahum with us. Lord, we thank you so much for your word and there's so much that we can learn and glean. And Lord, even though I, I doubt most of us or any of us would be actually swallowed by a whale in this day and age, maybe, but Lord, we want to be where you want us to be and we want to do what you want us to do. So help us to apply the lessons we can learn through Jonah and his re rejection and rebellion, Lord, of what you wanted him to do and then his reaction Lord, to um, the people that did get saved during that time. And Lord, just uh, have your way. Lord, truly you are trustworthy, you're loving, you're kind. And help us to remember that when we're in the midst of a difficult situation, Lord, that we won't question you in, in an accusing way or be angry because you're merciful to others even as you are merciful to us. So Lord, give us your perspective. Help us to see through your eyes, Lord. And I pray you bless the discussion groups as the women continue to share with one another the things you've been revealing to them as they've opened your word and spent time with you. So thank you, Lord, for the book of Jonah and the things that you've taught us. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.